All right, guys. So we're back on our coaching curriculum. One of the things that I think is so important for anything we're talking about with the coaching and the principles is that this is something that truthfully speaking is a very loose term of principles. You know, one of the things that is principle-based is that it's true without context. So when I'm talking about coaching principles and there's just a little element of subjectivity, I guess, when we're thinking about my interpretation of what is absolutely true for a coach, there's also a bias in there too. So I have to put the disclaimer that, yeah, I mean, it could be argued that this is actually isn't a principle, but the truth is, man, imagine if we can embody some of the things that we are trying to have within our coaching curriculum and looking through the course and going through first and second order. You know, that's the beautiful thing about models is they're all wrong, but some are very useful. And some are very situationally dependent and some are really invaluable. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's untrue per se. So it's not necessarily a principle, but when you look at it from its surface level, it's true, just not applicable. And so when we're thinking about this idea of principles of anything, like this one specifically talking about selflessness, that being selfless or being focused on others first is not essentially a principle per se from this, it's true regardless of context, but it's still true regardless if it's applicable in our environment or not. Long-winded breakdown of, okay, we're going into selflessness principles. And one of the things I think about selflessness, and I think about this quote that I heard, that it's about, it's synonymous with humility. And one of the best quotes I heard on humility is, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking less about yourself. Right? So you're not having this like diminished value of who you are. You're just diminishing the value of who you are. That the truth is, is that we're just cogs in a wheel working within this big ecosystem that's functioning at a high level, that we're just a small integral part, but very small. That our concentric circle is big, but our direct impact is, is kind of behind the scenes. And I think that's what we built our foundation on. You know, a lot of us probably have a very similar story, right? The, you know, the old adage, those who can't coach, Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, and I like to downplay a lot of the things that I do because I think it's like, it's not about me. But the truth is, is most of us kind of got into this because we didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish as athletes or in sports the way we wanted to. And we thought, okay, by extension of that, I can input wisdom and insight on what to do if I had to go back and do it all over again. Right, the value of of hindsight, the value of gained and gained knowledge and wisdom based off of not being able to get what you wanted from training in the first place. You know, the I was too focused on bodybuilding, or I should have been more focused on training economy or building up capacity. Blah blah blah, yada yada yada. But the the element of that is now I'm trying to impart my insights and wisdom on the next person through the strength nutrition medium. And that's where the credit ends. That's where your story is no longer the story. 
that we're living through extension through other people's successes. And their success is our success. It's not our success is their success. I think that's something that's hard to kind of really wrap your head around, especially because we all kind of live within this like selfish existence, you know? And I think anyone who's a parent out there is listening to this probably can relate to the element of it's not about you. You're you're insignificant, relatively speaking, to their needs and wants. Now you get a really big slice of humility when you realize that their success is now your true purpose. And whatever was that you've deemed your value in the world is, is completely truncated by the fact that their whole survival and existence is predicated off of you. You need to be completely selfless with them. And I'm not trying to sit there and say that we have, you know, hundreds of athletes that are now our children. I'm just trying to make the, the comparison to something where we have to be selfless and for others to exist and taking a mindset of that selflessness has to be parlayed to our coaching. One of the things that I think is so important about selflessness is this idea of, of success within strength conditioning. And who gets the credit? And I'm going to write a blog post about this, about where should credit go and how much should we take credit and how much should we defer credit. But let's say that we had tremendous success. Let's say that we got on with a high profile program as an intern and got hired on as a coach. And then all of a sudden, you know, we deem ourselves superior. And we think, wow pretty damn good. All I've ever experienced is success at a high level. And I've been here at this program for you know five years and volunteers, assistant strength coach role. And I've never not won our conference and gone to a conference championship game and, and potentially compete for a, a, a playoff appearance or gone to the NCAA tournament or gone deep into the NCAA tournament that I can associate our team success with my presence. I don't think you shouldn't say that you're a big part of the success, but I don't know if we can go around and say that we are the, the reason behind the success. And I'm not trying to sit there and say you should be humble and say that you do nothing and just say, gee, shucks, golly, like I'm just a guy. I'm just ever like everybody else. I put my pants on one leg at a time. But I'm also saying too, on the other end of, and we should be very careful with taking credit for things that, quite frankly, is probably more of a product of good recruiting and, and good overall culture and good infrastructure and systems to get the most from the athletes that you do have. Good resources to get guys back on the field if they break down, you know, all these things. So it's this line, it's this fine line to be talking about who, where, and why is, is the reason behind success. On the other end, though, you know, we could talk about, and the, the concept of is, you know, what are we talking about when we're trying to say who should get credit for anything? Is it because you feel undervalued? Is it because you feel like you should be, have, you should have more based off of where, you know, you are with your career and the success you've had? Is it based off the idea of, 
I need to have some sort of leverage to get more within my my setting that, hey, I have incredible level of success through my track record here that I should be paid more or I'm going to take my talents elsewhere kind of set up. It could be that, you know, it could go into another level of thinking about it of all I do is really have high performance outcomes and all we do is get really strong and fast and resilient and man, I'm really good at this. You know, we start to think about, man, maybe I am the, the key factor behind all this. And I don't know if anyone could walk away and say, we shouldn't have a little bit of confidence and a little bit of bravado with who we are and what we're doing. But I also would say is, is that really your 100% impact? Like, are you the, are you the catalyst behind great results on everything? Right? Like, go circumstantial of like, all right, my personal experience of the places I've worked at, at Army, like, I had great kids that were really bought in that were going to be believers. I had great support from the top down. A guy showed up late to a workout once. My head coach kicked him off the team. So I had to be very careful with who I told was late because it was going to be extreme repercussions. On the other end, at USC or Georgia Tech, we had a lot more talented athletes and my perceived value was much less. And the fact too, like, I can sit there and look at it from a compensatory standpoint, made six figures in Army with a house versus USC and Georgia Tech, I was barely making minimum wage. You know, in fact, now that I have a much more perspective on comp- compensation, I was underpaid. I know that for a fact. I know for the hours I was putting in and the, and, uh, the amount I was paid, it was actually legal re- Legal legal recourse to say that I should have been, I have some sort of money that I'm owed back pay wise from the time I put in and the lack of vacations I put in. But it's easy to associate your compensation with your perceived impact. I can overstate my value at Army West Point and I can say, man, I'm the reason why we beat Navy and that team went on to become a a perennial 10 win team winning the Commander in Chief trophy. I can say that I had a big impact on that based off of what I was paid and my perceived value when I was left, what I was offered, what I was counter-offered, not counter-offered, but offered to, to, to stay on. I could say that. But I also could say that at USC and Georgia Tech, I was, one of the, I was technically the lowest paid guy on the football staff, that my value was less. I could say that too. I could say I was insignificant to the greater goal based off of what I was paid, relatively speaking, to the top. I was paid a fraction of a fraction of what the top people were paid versus that army. I was, I was one of the top 10. I think there's an element though, too, that when we're looking at compensation, when we're looking at, you know, credit being told, like when you're getting your name dropped in, in, the, in the local paper about where the reason, I'm one of the biggest reasons behind our success versus never getting mentioned whatsoever. I think there's an element that you can kind of get this ego about yourself and you can start to think about yourself as bigger than you are or less than you are. And I think as a the, the I think as we start to break it down, you know, what selflessness really is, is we start to think about this big question is is if we weren't there, would they be good on their own? 
And I think that's what we got to figure out for the best interest of our client and athlete. That when we start to break down our relative impact and our relative role, really, what does that mean? And is it a leveraging tactic or is it actually something that we want to influence our environment tactic? And when we think about our influence in our environment, your confidence in being able to create change when you're not there, or your confidence to be able to create change when you're not doing everything, and who is responsible for that, really goes over how selfish you are. You know, one of the things I'm so proud of in my career is having a tremendous amount of successful coaches that worked under me. I've lost track of how many head strength coaches at the FCS, at the FBS level and FCS level. I, I, I don't even know anymore. Well over double digits. I've lost track of how many coaches gone on to professional sports organizations. Lost track of that. They've all interned for me. They've all gone on to either work for me or gone on to extremely prominent roles. And that story, you know, I could talk about my, that's my tree, right? That's, that's the Tim Karen tree of excellence. I could say that. And I don't think anybody on the opposing end who was able to intern for me or volunteer for me or work for me in some capacity wouldn't at least say that was my boss. He had a, he was big impact on me, but is that really fair to them? Is that really fair to them? People listening to this podcast, you know, this power play of saying you're one of my students and one of my top students who's been paying me for the past, you know, three years is this person and their success therefore is my success. Is it? Yeah, I might have had an influence and I might have been able to motivate them and I might have, and they might be grateful and appreciative of my insight and my wisdom and my ability to elicit change, but is it really my success? Is it? Because I don't think I was there when these folks were getting up extremely early for multiple days in a row or willing to sacrifice their entire life. Not, I shouldn't say life, I should say, but their their lifestyle and their and their short-term livelihood to go intern at other places or go work in remote areas or go out there and you know bust their ass day in day out or their amazing work ethic and talent and skill to communicate with people and sell themselves like a lot of them were better than me in a lot of other areas that I wasn't as skilled in and I would be very upfront on that and I would know that and when they worked for me, I was never challenged by that because I thought it complemented what I didn't have. But then when it's going into it and you're looking at these folks and you're saying, they're better at these areas than, I'm, than I am. I'm not threatened by them. I'm empowered by them. And I'm happy for them. And one of the things I would always tell the coaches that I work with when our staff goes off to other places and we get this like, knee-jerk reaction of like we got to do something to have more continuity i was like no we don't because i have a great track record of getting really good people in and developing them and becoming that next person that we really value but also on the other end i'd rather have good people who don't stay very long as opposed to bad people who stay very long and that is a subjective term to some not to me but 
when I'm looking at what is good and what is bad or when I'm looking at what's going to bring me value, I'd rather have that person that's extremely motivated, extremely skilled, extremely talented, that is leveraging me to get something that they want as opposed to the person that just kind of hangs around. It doesn't really have any motivation to change or grow. But again, just as much as we look through that person going through their career and rising through the ranks and reaching the the upper echelon, the the, the ex- utopia of strength conditioning, and those who know, know it's not what it perceived to be. It's just a bunch of doing a bunch of stuff that you don't want to do in the first place. But the reality is, is their success, if I'm really talking about being selfless, it's not mine. It never was. It can't be. I had a small influence, but I didn't, I'm not the reason behind that. Just like we talk about with our athletes. And the counter to that is their failure isn't 100% my failure. The the person that just hangs around the same athletic department, never really growing or changing, them being bad isn't 100% my fault either. Maybe I need to fire fast or maybe I need to do a better job of interviewing and not getting them in there so I can take some responsibility. But their failures aren't 100% mine either. And an athlete not complying or not taking care of their body or just going through a lot of stuff and having toxic relationships and really not committing to their training process isn't 100% my failure either. Do I have a responsibility to get that person in the right direction? Yes. And I'm not trying to sit there having this middle-of-the-road existence. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying about is really talking about your role in regards to the greater overall outcome is not as significant and is not as small as you may think it is. It's not as much of luck, but it's also not excluded from luck. It's a matter of where you perceive your value and where you perceive yourself to be in their other person's story. And if I'm looking through and I'm trying to evaluate, you know, what it is that I'm, I do, you know, I, I look at that person in front of me and I say, okay, could do I do a good or bad job? Comes down to a really a couple things, right? Do I, does the person in front of me know their objective, right? So if I have an, an athlete, do they know the program? Do they know why we're doing the program? Are they able to execute in the program? And if I have a coach, do they understand what we're doing? Do they understand the role with what we're doing? And are they motivated to go out there and do it? You know, and then can we adequately meet those objectives, right? If I set the bar too high for our athletes or our coaches and they fail, was it a matter of showing like this, this subconscious way of making me more valuable, right? If I put expectations on my coaches that I know they can't do or won't do and they fail, is that a way to bring me back in to have more value or perceive value? Like, oh, I gotta go ahead and do this again. Here I am, I've gotta roll my sleeves up and put myself back in there. Or, on the other end, put them in a position to succeed and constantly be shown in a good light, regardless if it's a direct impact on me or not. Because that's the deal. That's the deal when you work for somebody. It's about them. And you got to do the best you can to support them and develop them and help them. You got to meet them where they're at and you got to constantly shine a positive light on them so they always have better than what you did. 
Same with your athletes and going back to that story. We got in this because, man, if I could just find a better training plan, if I find a better coach or found better something, I would add an outcome in athletics and sports that I should have had. And that's why I'm into this. So that's what you're doing for other people. Yeah. Pushing them past their comfort zone for some sort of validation so you could feel like, I got them tired, I'm good at my job. You're pushing them outside of their comfort zone because that's what the job entails. You're looking at them and saying, I care about you and I care about your outcome and I need you to push more than what you currently are comfortable pushing. And then the final thing is, they gotta keep doing that, right? So we look through these three questions. Do they understand the objectives? Can they adequately meet those objectives? And can they keep doing that? And can you sustain that? And if they leave, can the next person do that? Can they keep doing that? I think that's the part that we have to you know, grasp about leadership, that we have to grasp about coaching, that we have to grasp about anything, anything regard to helping and shift and shaping and forming other people's lives. You know, this selfless leader, this person that is detached from ego, this person that is focused so externally on other people, that our ability to influence is predicated on a lot of things and power dynamics and everything else around it. But if it's really centered off this true intent to help, right? And one of the big questions I ask people all the time is, you know, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to coach? And they always tell me, I want to help people. The next question is, who do you want to help? Well, I want to work with elite level athletes. What do you think that entails? I'm probably having this really good training program that has the best and latest innovation and technology. Honestly, that's not going to move the needle. I'm not trying to be dismissive of that. And obviously, I have a whole curriculum centered around that and books and things to go ahead and go deep, deep dive in all the highest level training philosophy. But is that really moving the needle? Talk about my perceived value at USC and Georgia Tech. Was it really my nuance and my education and my background and high level strength conditioning? Or was it my ability to communicate and understand my role and understand what my really job was? I think that's the part as I look back over my career and where I'm at now working in a, a private facility, having about 30 coaches working under me and having them kind of take the lion's share of the credit on a daily basis is my role is, is different you know I'm I'm the person in the background who's just kind of orchestrating stuff and putting people out there in front and they're going to get the credit you think about you think about your favorite TV show and you think about the actors and actresses actresses on there you think about the you think about the the platform it's on do you really think about the writers do you really think about the director maybe Maybe they get some credit, maybe you've watched Golden Globes or whatever, but you think about the the things that you value in your life and you think about the reasons why that exists. You have to understand, it's a lot of things going on behind the scenes as to what makes that happen that you'll never know exist or never really care that actually exists. And sometimes being selfless is a matter of letting other people shine in order for that the greater good. 
And again, going back to our humility, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less. Thinking about being selfless, it's putting other people first, which isn't this like altruistic, like you need to be this, you know, extremely like servant-minded person. I just think you need to understand your job. And if you want to be a head strength coach, or if you want to be a gym owner, if you want to be a leader, quote unquote, you have to understand it's about other people. That if I'm an assistant strength coach, I have to focus on my athletes in front of me. Their success is the only thing that matters. And that that is an extremely important thing to consider. And their success isn't necessarily 100% your success. You had a part in it, you had some influence on it, but it's not your success, it's not your win. And I hope you're understanding the message here that you can't associate their success 100% with yours. You should be proud, you should be extremely elated for other people, but you're not doing it for that. You're not doing it to collect rings because a lot of that's circumstantial. You're not doing that to have notoriety because a lot of that is is your is your ability to put yourself out there. If you're really about being selfless, you're about other people's success are really the only thing that matters, not your success. And the same thing as being a head, tro- head strength coach. I got to get out of the way and let my coaches shine. And their interaction with their athletes and the athletes giving them the the validation. Damn, this program is unbelievable. Man, you best coach you ever had. These are phrases that should be heard quite often. Man, your staff is amazing. That's not my staff. These are folks who are out there doing it every single day. They're the ones busting their ass for this for you. And then they should defer the credit to you. You're the one who did the work. All I did was just sit there with a whistle and say, good job and tell you not to do something from time to time. You know in your mind, that's that's all you need, right? Because their success should be enough. And I'm gonna, here's, a, here's a spoiler alert behind being selfless and we'll get into this in practical. You're gonna get the credit by not taking the credit. If you're really good at what you do, people will know. If you're the best in the world at something, that gets around quick. You don't have to go ahead and be bombastic and be self-serving and completely looking at yourself as the person or the catalyst behind anything. You have to have that inner confidence about yourself to say, yeah, I am that guy. But the best thing about me is I don't need to tell you I am that guy. You already know that. That in order for you to get where you want, there's somewhere deep down you know that I'm the best person to get you there. I don't need to tell you that. That's understood. That being selfless is not being arrogant or being bombastic. You know, it's one of the things of like, think about the things you've, think about the services you've bought in the past five years, right? So maybe you go see this, this, barber or this hairdresser or stylist and or maybe you you go on upwork and you contact someone to help you out with some it support or you go uh you go to angie's list and you find a contractor to help out with her house 
And you start to evaluate your buying patterns off of that. And I'm not talking about like goods and goods. I'm talking about services here, right? You know, service-based industries, getting your hair cut, seeing the dentist, whatever. People that you need to go through people to get something. And think about why you got it. Maybe it was word of mouth. Maybe you got referred to by someone that you really trust. Great. You have a you have some sort of authority in there that goes, yeah, they did a great job for me. Maybe, maybe you put your 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 job on some sort of public forum and the person, most bunch of people responded, and you went to the people that were just most most braggadocious. They were the most out there and explaining what they do and how they do it. Just super, super full of themselves and just going on and on about how good they are. And the best thing they could ever do is going with them. Maybe, maybe there was an element of this social proof. You know, the, I go to this restaurant because every single day the parking lot is packed and there's a line out the door. Okay, so you got your initial surge on that. And then you go keep going back to them. Because eh, I don't know if it's good. I just don't want to go anywhere else and go away, break from the path. Or I know it's good. I don't need to go anywhere else. Now think about that with your relationship with your athletes or clients. Why do they come to you? Why are they with you? Is it circumstance? Like, oh, I'm an athlete at this team. I need to be here. Okay, great. I'll tell you what they don't need to do is tell everybody how good of a job you're doing, especially if they're forced to be there one way or another. They don't need to do that. If they do, you don't need to say anything. If they don't, you might need to feel like you need to go out there and tell everyone how good you are in order to save your job or keep your job or demonstrate value. And same thing with private training sector is someone comes to me based off of some pretense and they stay with me. Why? Because they can't get what I do elsewhere or because I'm really good at telling them how good I am and they're kind of confused about if this is really good or not. The point being is I don't have to work as hard to keep people or get people talking about me if I'm really good. And you can sit there and say, wow, that's pretty manipulative that you just went a really elongated way talking about being selfless and being being externally focused on other people just to get them to talk about you. That's not what I'm talking about entirely. What I'm talking about is that if you focus on other people combined with being really good at your job, all the things that you wanted to work really hard in the first place to get happens organically. That you don't need to push yourself in this direction of self of self-promotion and and self-gratification and all these things that you're trying to sit there and say how good you are. That's just understood. And when you combine that with, hey, I'm happy your success is, is being built. And I'm happy you're getting great results. And you look at it from if we just do things right. If we keep following this plan, everything's going to work out exactly the way we want. And if it fails, I'm going to go back to the drawing board and think about what I could do better. But I'm also not sitting there killing myself going, I don't know if this this was bad. It's about having short-term memory a lot, but also too, like 
thinking about it from there's no grand scheme here. There's no big play. There's just doing good hard work every single day, focusing on other people. And when it all comes out in the wash, you're going to get the credit you deserve. You don't need to say that I deserve credit. You don't need to serve that I don't deserve blame. I, I don't deserve any blame. It just comes out to being focused on other people and being really good at your job. And going back into principles. Again, is that a universal law in the universe? No, it's not. It's just good fundamental practice to being a great strength coach or a good coach in general or a good leader. I don't need to go ahead and talk about my tree. The tree is understood. People know it's going to work for me. They're going to go on and become really good strength coaches. And the ones that didn't, didn't. My role in that was what it was. Came to work every day, led by example, created a great platform, then learn and grow, become better. But if it doesn't resonate with them, that's okay too. I hope what they found is something else that they really resonate and they're really passionate about. All right, guys. Well, I hope you guys appreciate this one. This one was about something for me that I constantly think about it quite a bit. I think as I look through, uh, you know, all strength and conditioning, you know, you really got to break down, you know, like this whole dynamic of credit and not getting credit and, you know, just being this humble, self-servant-minded person. I don't know if that's the answer, but I would sit there and say that if we focus on other people and we focus on doing a good job, things will work out just fine and we'll be what we'll be and we'll get what we'll get and good always is going to be the best in terms of rising to the top bad that oversells themselves it's gonna they're gonna people figure that out sooner than you realize well i appreciate you guys make sure you get over to phpodcast.com to get on this module so go through the curriculum Get access to that. Talk about this experience on the forum. I think this is going to be a fun one to dive into for coaching. Make sure you check out next week. We'll go through practical. And uh, we'll see you guys on the other side.